The only announcement I have is uh, just a reminder that beginning June 6th, our um, second service will start at 1045. So everything else will remain the same. Prayer at 9, Sunday school at 930. Um, we're just giving the kids a little bit extra time downstairs. It seems to kind of run a little fast, and we're really scrambling to get everything done. We want to make sure they get everything they can in their lessons. So if we will just... Uh, be mindful of that, and we'll start just 15 minutes later on the second service. You are the one who delivers. Hallelujah. The one who sets the captives free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Reign in my life, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Only to you, Lord, we pour out praise. Hallelujah. We give glory and honor unto you, thou most high God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are ever worthy of our worship. You are ever worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the Almighty. You are the one who sits upon the throne all by yourself. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give glory and honor unto you and you only. Our ears, our hearts, our eyes are attent unto your voice. Unto you this morning, thou most high God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have captured our full attention this morning. Speak to us, I pray. Help us to minister unto you with our worship and with our praise and with our giving of thanks. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We heap glory and honor unto the Almighty this morning. We heap worship and praise unto the King of Kings and unto the Lord of Lords today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We will minister unto you this morning. We will wait upon you today, most holy God. You are our Lord and our God. You are our Savior and our Redeemer. You are the lover of our soul. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are our inheritance. You are our portion and our exceeding great reward. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome, awesome God we serve this morning. What an awesome God we serve this morning. And we are in His presence. We are in His direct, literal presence. What an honor. What a high privilege it is to enter in at any time, in any place, into the very throne room of Almighty God. What a privilege that is. I don't ever want to take that for granted. I don't ever want to esteem that lightly. Some of us didn't always have access to the throne room of God. Some of us remember a time where we were outside of the covenant promises of God. But we, where we once were far off, we are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Psalm 78. We'll read the first seven verses of that. Thank you all of you for responding to the presence of God. For taking time to receive from Him and to minister to Him. With our worship and with our praise. Psalm 78 verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, for my, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, sowing to the generation to come. 
the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Amen. We'll preach for a few minutes this morning on this topic. An open letter to posterity. An open letter to posterity. And if we could pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless the remainder of his service, let his perfect will be accomplished. Jesus, you're an awesome God. We continue to worship you. We continue to give glory and honor unto you throughout this service. Thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence here thus far. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have in store for your people, the ministration of your spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that your perfect will would be manifest, that it would be accomplished here. This is your service. This is your service, Jesus. I pray, God, that your purpose would be accomplished, that your name would be glorified. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let your perfect will be done in this place today. The designs that you have for your people, let them be manifest in this economy this morning. Minister to them, I pray. They are an exceeding good and precious people. They are the people of God. Minister to them, I pray. Undergird them with strength. Encourage them this morning in the Lord their God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And let your great and mighty name be glorified in our midst today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I have been lately more remiss than usual in writing to you. There has been a great dearth of news, nothing from England, nothing from France, Spain, or any other part of Europe, nothing from the West Indies, nothing from Howe and his banditti, nothing from General Washington. There are various conjectures that Lord Howe is dead, sick, or gone to England, as the proclamations run in the name of Will Howe only, and nobody from New York can tell anything of his lordship. I am wearied out with expectations that the Massachusetts troops would have arrived ere now at headquarters. Do our people intend to leave the continent in the lurch? Do they mean to submit? Or what fatality attends them? With the noblest prize in view that ever mortals contended for, and with the fairest prospect of obtaining it upon easy terms, the people of the Massachusetts Bay are dead. Does our state intend to send only half or a third of their quota? Do they wish to see another crippled, disastrous, and disgraceful campaign for want of an army? I am more sick and more ashamed of my own countrymen than ever I was before. Posterity. You will never know how much it cost the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make a good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. This was a letter from, jo from John Adams to his wife, Abigail Adams, dated 26 April, 1777. 
Tomorrow, we'll be celebrating something we know as Memorials Day. I watched a clip on YouTube. This guy uh, interviewing different people. Why do we celebrate Memorials Day? The answers were horrific, nightmarish even, ranging from, (laughs) yeah, I'm not really sure why we celebrate. Got a day off, though, to it's a celebration of American colonialism and everything that's wrong with this country. Most people in the United States will have the day off. A lot of them will. Spend time with family, friends. Spend time cooking out, grilling, maybe taking the boat out. I don't know what the weather's going to be tomorrow. But it'll be a day to relax, a day to enjoy fellowship, friends, food. But why do we celebrate Memorials Day? What is it? That we're celebrating. Well, we're celebrating the sacrifices of men and women who have gone before us. We're taking a day to honor their sacrifices. To honor the fact that they chose to lay down their lives so that we could enjoy the freedoms and the liberties we enjoy today. To be thankful for the men and women who sacrificed everything so that we wouldn't have to. To be thankful for those who are willing to pay the ultimate price for you and for me. We celebrate Memorials Day because our forefathers left to us, their posterity, a legacy, a gift of freedom and liberty, and the example that these things are never cheaply bought. John Adams whose letter to his wife we just read, was a member of the generation that secured our liberty and our freedom from the tyrant King George III. He was a part of that generation. And that generation, at least those that were that we read records from, there's not a whole lot of records from, from the common man, the common woman, uh, per se, but we see a lot of... Uh, a lot of our history comes from these men and women who were at the forefront of this movement. The, the General Washingtons, the Benjamin Franklins, the Thomas Jeffersons, the John Adams. A little bit later, but yep, he's in there too. And so these men had a, had a, a dream, they had a vision uh, and they had an idea that liberty and freedom were paramount. They were gifts from God, and they needed to be uh, they needed to be manifest here. And so, when their liberties were were being violated or abused, they fought back against that. And eventually, it came to the point where they wrote a Declaration of Independence from the nation of England, and we fought a disastrous and and, and brutal war. (laughs) If you read the history of that, it was an absolute miracle that we won. We failed our way to victory, quite literally. Uh, And so 
the men that signed the Declaration of Independence were willing to pledge everything to this cause. Their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. They signed it big and bold so that King George III would see their name on it. And so, they were not afraid to commit everything. They did commit everything, not knowing what would happen, not knowing the price that they would actually have to pay. They pledged everything and indeed ended up giving much to the cause of freedom in the American colonies. John Adams and others like him saw that liberty was worth it at any price. Of those that signed the Declaration of Independence, some of them lost families, some lost their homes and earthly possessions, several lost their lives. In looking forward in time, he addresses those who would inherit the freedoms and the liberties his generation fought so hard to purchase. It was his hope, one, that future generations would enjoy the liberties his generation had purchased. And it was his fear that because they would attain their freedoms cheaply, that they would be valued lightly. What possesses a man or woman to decide to lay down their lives for someone else? Well, the it's kind of outside of our treatise this morning, but the answer, obviously, is love. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen. And we understand through Scripture and even through history that Jesus Christ himself came down from heaven. He wrapped himself in flesh, and he suffered this life with us. He endured everything that we endure. He suffered hunger. He suffered loss. He suffered shame. He suffered pain. Everything that we'll ever suffer. And at the end, they nailed him to a tree and they killed him. But he did that willingly. He was the king of glory. He could have at any time walked off of the tree. He could have at any time sent judgment down on those who did it. But he did that on purpose. He hung there because he chose to. He laid down his life for you and for me. He did it so we wouldn't have to. He did it because he knew we couldn't. And because of his great undying love for each of us. We see in the scripture text the command of God to declare the goodness the praises, the mighty works of God to the next generation. Why? Well, verse 7 kind of answers that, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. As a father, it's always been my hope, my desire, that my kids would supersede me, that they would go off and do better things, that they would become greater Christians, greater whatever they decide to do than I ever could. That's always been my hope. I've never been threatened by their abilities or their talents. 
I, I try to encourage that. I want them to, to, to excel in that. And it would, it would, it would be just the best thing in the world if, if they went off and just did awesome things and became known for great things. And I could say, yep, that's my, that's my boy. That's my girl. They don't, they don't know who I am. It doesn't matter. They know who they are. They know who I am. I'm good with that. <clears throat> and in my, in my parenting style, I, I tried to take the very best that was given to me from my parents and, and throw out the bones. Sometimes there are a lot of bones. But there were some good things, too. And I tried to pass those on. I tried to add things I learned from Scripture and from other men and women elders that I looked up to. And it's my desire that when they have kids, they'll do the same thing. They'll pass on the very best and, and throw out the bones that I gave them. Because I, I wasn't able to throw them all out, unfortunately. Some of them came through. <laughs> so my hope is that they'll, they'll start from a better spot that I was able to start from. And that's always, that's always our hope, isn't it? That the future generation will, will go and they'll excel and they'll do more and they'll, they'll achieve greater things than we ever could. That's our hope. That's, that's, that's what we desire for the, for the next generation coming up. Today, you and I stand on the back of giants. We are here enjoying the presence of God today. We are here experiencing covenant fellowship with our Creator today. Why? Because men and women have went before us. They've paved the way. They preached the Word when it wasn't in vogue. They preached this truth when it was harmful to be known as a Pentecostal. They preached Acts 2.38, knowing full well that there was a mob outside ready to tar and feather them. Can you imagine in the United States being tarred and feathered? Being run out on a rail? Get out of our town? It happened. It happened a lot. But because of their preaching because of their sacrifice and because of their work, because they were willing to lay everything on the line for this truth. Today, we enjoy the privileges of a, of a covenant relationship with God. We didn't just come into this on our own. We came into it because men and women went before us. And they gave everything so that we could enjoy these liberties and these freedoms that we enjoy today. God has given that same responsibility to the present generation to raise up the next generation, to leave them a legacy, as it were, of truth. To help them see that spiritual freedom and liberty is worth it at any price. To demonstrate to them that no matter what happens to us, God is faithful that our hope must always remain in Him and that He is forever faithful to us. Amen. That's our responsibility to this next generation. And we've got to be about that. How do we leave that legacy? How do we pass that on to the next generation? 
We teach, obviously. Deuteronomy 6.4. We teach them when they rise up, when they go down, when they, they're in the way, when they come in, when they go out. We teach our children the importance of living for God. Why it is we live for God. But even more importantly is we live it in front of them. We demonstrate it in front of them. Now, have we been perfect? No. No, we're not. We have not been perfect. But we need to strive as much as possible. We need to demonstrate in the hard times. Our children see us in the hard times. They see us when we're tired and when we're cranky and they come at us with something and that's enough. And then I do something I regret. We have those times, but as much as possible. I'll go apologize. Go tell them I love them. It's my desire to raise you right, to raise you in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. It's my desire to see you live for God, to be faithful to Him as He is faithful to us. And in the tough times, when we don't know what to do, they see us praying. They see us calling out to God for help. They see us relying on God. The decisions that we make, the choices that we make, the actions that we do or take or don't take, all of these things are teaching the next generation. And it's laying up for them a legacy of understanding. Yes, I've seen my parents go through the tough times, and I saw that God was faithful. I've seen them endure some horrific things, but God was faithful, and they came through it. Not only did they come through it, but God blessed them for it. They're able to see these things. I wasn't able to see any of this. I had to take people's word for it. It was a good word. It ended up being true. But, so much more powerful to have it exampled in front of you. That's the legacy that we need to provide this future generation. Unlike John Adams, we don't have a fear that the freedom will be lightly attained. Because it's true in every generation that you're going to fight. Every generation is going to fight for the liberties that they have, the spiritual liberties that they enjoy. If you are going to keep it, you are going to fight for it. Because, as the saying goes, if you're staying still, you're moving backward. We can't just float our way through into the kingdom of God. We can't just meander our way in and, oh, we're here. It's going to be on purpose. And it's going to be because we committed ourselves and we dedicated ourselves to getting there. We will, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's another promise that we don't like to quote. But it's a promise nonetheless. And if we are to enter into the kingdom of God, it will be through much tribulation. It will be because we decide to fight 
And it will be because we have counted the cost and we understand that it's worth it. Whatever we have to lay down is worth it. Nothing is ours anyway, right? It's all God's. And so it should be easy to give them back to Him. When we come to the Lord, we ought to already have this settled in our minds. I'm giving it all back to God. If He wants it, it's His. Now, is He going to automatically take it? No, probably not. He may never require it of us. But if He does, it's okay. Whatever He asks of us, it's okay. Because what we receive for it is so much greater. Spiritual liberty and freedom, eternal life with Jesus Christ, is so much greater than anything that we could give. The danger is that we do not pass this on to the next generation. What happens then? Judges 2 and 10 says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Somehow, Joshua's generation failed to transmit this to their children. Somehow, there was a miscommunication, a failure, a break in the, in the, in the chain, and this generation arose and they didn't know what God was, what He did, why they served God. So, they didn't. If we fail to pass on what we have received from our previous generation, the church cannot last. It won't. Now, I have a hope, I believe it's scriptural, that God will always have a witness on the earth. I believe the church is indestructible, that it will always continue till Jesus comes. But how will it continue? Will it be limping along on life support? Or will it be powerful and a conquering, a conquering army? This generation is where it is at because of the previous. The next one will be where it is at because of us. Because of you and me. John Adams' fear is not ours. We can pass on the knowledge. We can pass on the understanding. But we can't pass on a relationship. That's going to be up to them. We will give them the knowledge. We'll give them the information, the understanding of what God did for us. Of how He wrought so wondrously in our lives. The miracles and the signs that He did through us. But it will be up to them to do something with it. if they are going to have liberty 
if they are going to enjoy the same freedoms that you and I enjoy today, it will be because they have made the same decisions. They have decided in their hearts, all of this is God's, and I'm willing to give it to Him. I don't care. What I want, most of all, is Jesus Christ. I want His liberty. I want His freedom. I want a relationship with Him. The legacy that we pass on, the open letter to posterity, is our daily choices, our actions, our lives. That will be the open letter to posterity. As we celebrate Memorial Day, and we remember the brave men and women who went on before us, who purchased secular freedoms, political freedoms and liberties that we enjoy. We should also remember those spiritual warriors that went before. The Andrew Ursons, the G.A. Mangans, so many others. James Kilgore, that's who I was trying to think of. So many other men and women who have prayed, who have fought, who have sacrificed, who have given everything for this truth so that you and I could enjoy the same liberties and freedoms they enjoyed. Are we willing to do the same? What will our choices tell future generations? When they look back and examine our lives, what will they say of us? I trust that they will look back on this generation and say that we stand today on the backs of giants. That our forefathers that went before us sacrificed and fought and gave. And through them, God purchased victory. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul kind of sums it up pretty nicely here. <clears throat> for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know if I would call it, Paul's affliction light or for a moment. But in light of eternity, in light of what Paul was going to receive, he saw it as light and but for a moment. <clears throat> the perspective that we have looking back through history, understanding why we're here today. It wasn't because of this is just how things unfolded. It, it was because men and women made a decision. They made a choice and they followed through with it. They prayed. 
They fasted. They preached. They stayed up late. They got up early. They studied scripture. They taught Bible studies. They did things they weren't comfortable doing. But they did it because they had a love for God. And they had a love for their present generation. So we can look back on them and say, well, how what great people they were. We can build monuments to them. We can preach on them. We can sing their praises. Most Christians today will do everything but emulate them. But that is what we need to do the most. I think they probably couldn't care less if we preached about them, if we sung their praises. Just do what we did. And God will do what he did. Praise God. Let's purpose in our hearts today from this moment onward to leave a rich, godly heritage to future generations. This is our responsibility. This is our great privilege. An open letter to posterity is the way that we live. When they look back on us, what will they say? What will they see? Is it something worthy for them to emulate? From this moment forward, let it be yes. Let's all stand. <coughs> this altar is open. You're comfortable. Not altar in place. But again, let's spend time in the presence of God. Let's call out to him.